Chapter thirty one of the Roots of the Mountains by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of the Weapon Show of the Men of Burgdale and their Neighbours. Now, on the day appointed for the Weapon Show, came the folk flock meal to the great and white meadow that was cleft by Wild Lake as it ran to join the weltering water. Early in the morning, even before sunrise, had the wains full of women and children begun to come thither. Also, there came little horses and asses from the shepherd country, with one or two or three damsels or children sitting on each, and by wainside or by beast strode the men of the house, merry and fair in their war-gear. The woodlanders, moreover, man and woman, elder and swain, and young damsel, streamed out of the wood from Carlstead, eager to make the day begin before the sunrise, and end before his setting. Then all men fell to pitching of tents, and tilting over of wains, for the April sun was hot in the dale, and when he arose, the meads were gay with more than the spring flowers, for the tents and the tilts were stained and broidered with many colours, and there was none who had not furbished up his war-gear, so that all shone and glittered, and many wore gay surcoats, over their armour, and the women were clad in all their bravery, and the houses mostly of a suit, for one bore blue, and another corn-colour, and another green, and another brazil, and so forth, and all gleaming and glowing with broidery of gold and bright hues. But the women of the shepherds were all clad in white, embroidered with green boughs and red blossoms, and the woodland women wore dark red kirtles. Moreover, the women had set garlands of flowers on their heads and the helms of the men, and for the most part they were slim of body and tall and light-limbed, and as dainty to look upon as the willow-boughs that waved on the brookside. Thither had the good men who were guesting the runaways brought their guests, even now much bettered by their new soft days, and much the poor folk marvelled at all this joyance, and they scarce knew where they were but to some it brought back to their minds days of joyance before the thraldom, and all that they had lost, so that their hearts were heavy a while till they saw the warriors of the kindreds streaming into the mead, and bethought them why they carried steel. Now, by then the sun was fully up, there was a great throng on the portway, and this was the folk of the burg on their way to the weapon mead. The men-at-arms were in the midst of the throng, and at the head of them was the war-leader, with the banner of the face before him, wherein was done the image of the god with the ray-ringed head. But at the rearward of the warriors went the alderman and the burg-wardens, before whom was borne the banner of the burg, pictured with the gate and its towers. But in the midst, betwixt these two, was the banner of the steer, a white beast on a green field. So when the dale-wardens who were down in the meadow, heard the music, and beheld who were coming. They bade the companies of the dale and the shepherds, and the woodlanders who were down there, to pitch their banners in a half-circle, about the ingle of the meadow, which was made by the streams of Wild Lake and the weltering water, and gather them to be ordered there, under their leaders of scores and half-hundreds and hundreds. And even so they did. But the banners of the dale without the burg, were the bridge and the bull and the vine and the sickle, and the shepherds had three banners, to it, Greenbury and the Fleece and the Thorn. As for the woodlanders, 
they said that they were abiding their great banner but it should come in good time and meantime said they here are the war tokens that we shall fight under for they are good enough banners for us poor men the remnant of the valiant of time past therewith they showed two great spears and athwart the one was tied an arrow its point dipped in blood its feathers singed with fire and they said this is the banner of the war shaft on the other spear there was naught but the head thereof was great and long and they had so burnished the steel that the sun smote out a ray of light for it so that it might be seen from afar and they said this is the banner of the spear down yonder where the ravens are gathering ye shall see a banner flying over us there shall fall many a mother's son smiled the dale wardens and said that these were good banners to fight under and those that stood near by shouted for the valiancy of the woodland carls now the dale wardens went to the entrance from the portway to the meadow and there met the men of the burg and two of them went one on either side of the war leader to show him to his seat and the others abode till the aldermen and burg wardens came up and then joined themselves to them and the horns blew up both in the meadow and on the road and the newcomers went their ways to their appointed places amidst the shouts of the dalesmen and the women and children and old men from the burg followed after till all the mead was covered with bright raiment and glittering gear save within the ring of men at the further end so came the war-leader to his seat of green turf raised in the ingle aforesaid and he stood beside it till the aldermen and wardens had taken their places on a seat behind him raised higher than his below him on the step of his seat sat the scrivener with his pen and inkhorn and scroll of parchment and men had brought him a smooth shield whereon to write on the left side of face of god stood the men of the face all glittering in their arms and amongst them were wolfstone and his two fellows but dalloc was not yet whole of his hurts on his right were the folk of the house of the steer the leader of that house was an old white-bearded man grandfather of the bride for her father was dead and who but the bride herself stood beside him in her glorious war-gear looking as if she were new come from the city of the gods thought most men but those who beheld her closely deemed that she looked heavy-eyed and haggard as if she were a-weary nevertheless wheresoever she passed and whosoever looked on her and all men looked on her there arose a murmur of praise and love and the women and especially the young ones said how fair her deed was and how meet she was for it and some of them were for doing on war-gear and faring to battle with the carls and of these some were sober and solemn as was well seen afterwards and some spake lightly some also fell to boasting of how they could run and climb and swim and shoot in the bow and fell to bearing of their arms to show how strong they were and indeed they were no weaklings although their arms were fair then there stood the ring of men each company under its banner and beyond them stood the women and children and men unmeet for battle and beyond them again the tilted wains and the tents now face of god sat him down on the turf seat with his bright helm on his head and his naked sword across his knees while the horns blew up loudly and when they had done the elder of the dale wardens cried out for silence then again arose face of god and said 
men of the dale, and ye friends of the shepherds, and ye, O valiant woodlanders, we are not assembled here to take counsel, for in three days' time shall the great folk-mote be holden, whereat shall be counsel enough. But since I have been appointed your chief and war-leader, till such time as the folk-mote shall either yeasay or naysay my leadership, I have sent for you, that we may look each other in the face, and number our host, and behold our weapons, and see if we be meet for battle, and for the dealing with a great host of foemen. For now no longer can it be said that we are going to war, but rather that war is on our borders, and we are blended with it, as many have learned to their cost, for some have been slain and some sorely hurt. Therefore I bid you now, all ye that are weaponed, wend past us, that the tale of you may be taken. But first, let every hundred leader, and half hundred leader, and score leader, make sure that he hath his tale aright, and give his word to the captain of his banner, that he in turn may give it out to the scrivener, with his name, and the house and company that he leadeth. So he spake, and sat him adown, and the horns blew again in token that the companies should go past, and the first that came was Hallward of the house of the steer, and the first of those that went after him was the bride, going as if she were his son. So he cried out his name and the name of his house, and said, An hundred and a half, and passed forth, his men following him in most goodly array. Each man was girt with a good sword, and bore a long heavy spear over his shoulder, save a score who bare bows, and no man lacked a helm, a shield, and a coat of fence. Then came a goodly man of thirty winters, and stayed before the scrivener, and cried out, Write down the house of the bridge of the upper dale at one hundred, and war well their leader. And he strode on, and his men followed, clad and weaponed like those of the steer, save that some had axes hanging to their girdles instead of swords, and most bore casting spears instead of the long spears, and half a score were bowmen. Then came Fox of Upton, leading the men of the bull of Middale, an hundred and a half lacking two. Very great and tall were his men, and they also bore long spears, and one score and two were bowmen. Then Forkbeard of Lee, a man well on in years, led on to the men of the vine, an hundred and a half and five men there too, two score of them bare bow in hand, and were girt with sword. The rest bore their swords naked in their right hands, and their shields, which were but small bucklers, hanging at their backs, and in the left hand each bore two casting spears. With these went two doughty women at arms, among the bowmen, tall and well-knit, already growing brown with the spring sun, for their work lay among the stocks of the vines on the southward-looking bents. Next came a tall young man, yellow-haired with a thin red beard, and gave himself out for Redbeard of the Knolls. He bore his father's name, as the custom of their house was, but the old man, who had long been head man of the house of the sickle, was late dead in his bed, and the young man had not seen twenty winters. He bade the scrivener write the tale of the men of the sickle at an hundred and a half, and his folk fared past the war-leader joyously, being one half of them bowmen, and fell shooters they were. The other half were girt with swords, and bore withal long ashen staves, armed with great blades curved inwards, which weapon they called heft-sacks. All these bands, as the name and the tale of them was declared, were greeted with loud shouts from their fellows and the bystanders, 
but now arose a greater shout still as stoneface clad in goodly glittering array came forth and said i'm stoneface of the house of the face and i bring with me two hundreds of men with their best war-gear and weapons write it down scrivener and he strode on like a young man after those who had gone past and after him came the tall hall-face and his men a gallant sight to see two score bowmen girt with swords and the others with naked swords waving aloft and each bearing two casting-spears in his left hand then came a man of middle age broad-shouldered yellow-haired blue-eyed of wide and ruddy countenance and after him a goodly company and again great was the shout that went up to the heavens for he said scrivener write down that hound under greenbury from amongst the dwellers in the hills where the sheep feed leadeth the men who go under the banner of greenbury to the tale of an hundred and fourscore therewith he passed on and his men followed stout stark and merry-faced girt with swords and bearing over their shoulders long staved axes and spears not so long as those which the dalesmen bore and they had but a half score of arrow-shots with them next came a young man blue-eyed also with hair the colour of flax on the distaff broad-faced and short-nosed low of stature but very strong-built who cried out in a loud cheerful voice i am strongeth arm of the shepherds and these valiant men are of the fleece and the thorn blended together for so they would have it and their tail is one hundred and two score and ten then the men of the kindreds went past merry and shouting and they were clad and weaponed like to them of greenbury but had with them a score of bowmen and all these shepherd folk wore over their hauberks white woollen surcoats broidered with green and red now again uprose the cry and there stood before the war-leader a very tall man of fifty winters dark-faced and grey-eyed and he spake slowly and somewhat softly and said war-leader this is red wolf of the woodlanders leading the men who go under the sign of the war-shaft to the number of an hundred and two then he passed on and his men after him tall lean and silent amidst the shouting all these men bare bows for they were keen hunters each had at his girdle a little axe and a wood-knife and some had long swords withal they wore every one of the carls short green surcoats over their coats of fence but amongst them were three women who bore like weapons to the men but were clad in red kirtles under their hauberks which were of good ring-mail gleaming over them from throat to knee last came another tall man but young of twenty-five winters and spake scrivener i am bearsbane of the woodlanders and these that come after me wend under the sign of the spear and they are of the tale of one hundred and seven and he passed by at once and his men followed him clad and weapon no otherwise than they of the war-shaft and with them were two women now went all those companies back to their banners and stood there and there arose among the bystanders much talk concerning the weapon-show and who were the best arrayed of the houses and of the men some spake of past weapon-shows which they had seen in their youth and they set them beside this one and praised and blamed so it went on a little while till the horns blew again and once more there was silence then arose face of god and said men of burgdale and ye shepherd folk and ye of the woodland now shall ye wot how many weaponed men we may bring together for this war scrivener arise 
and give forth the tale of the companies as they have been told unto you. Then the scrivener stood up on the turf bench beside face of God and spake in a loud voice, reading from his scroll. Of the men of Burgdale there have passed by me nine hundreds and six, of the shepherds three hundreds and eight and ten, and of the woodlanders two hundreds and nine, so that all told our men are fourteen hundreds and thirty and three. Now in those days men reckoned by long hundreds, so that the whole tale of the host was one thousand five hundred and fourscore and one, telling the tale in short hundreds. When the tale had been given forth and heard, men shouted again, and they rejoiced that they were so many, for it exceeded the reckoning which the alderman had given out at the gate thing. But face of God said, Neighbours, we have held our weapon show, but now hold you ready, each man, for the hosting toward very battle, for belike within seven days shall the leaders of hundreds and twenties summon you to be ready in arms to take what so fortune may befall. Now is sundered the weapon show, be ye as merry to-day as your hearts bid you to be. Therewith he came down from his seat with the aldermen and the wardens, and they mingled with the good folk of the dale and the shepherds and the woodlanders, and merry was their converse there. It yet lacked an hour of noon, so presently they fell to and feasted in the green meadow, drinking from wane to wane and from tent to tent, and thereafter they played and sported in the meads, shooting at the butts and wrestling, and trying other masteries. Then they fell to dancing one and all, and so at last to supper on the green grass in great merriment. Nor might you have known from the demeanour of any that any threat of evil overhung the dale. Nay, so glad were they, and so friendly, that you might rather have deemed that this was the land whereof tales tell, wherein people die not, but live for ever, without growing any older than when they first come thither, unless they be born into the land itself, and then they grow into fair manhood, and so abide. In sooth, both the land and the folk were fair enough to be that land and the folk thereof. But a little after sunset they sundered, and some fared home, but many of them abode in the tents and tilted wains, because the morrow was the first day of the spring market, and already were some of the Westland chapmen come. Yea, two of them were with the bystanders in the meadow, and more were looked for ere the night was far spent. End of chapter 31